0: Well, what a difference a month makes. Today's episode of Real Trail Talk was recorded a month ago before the COVID-19 pandemic had resulted in the closures of regions in Western Australia. As such, references to trips in April are no longer true. Hi. And welcome to a non-track and non-trail episode of Real Trail Talk. I'm Donovan D'Souza from The Long Way's Better.
1: And I'm Mark Pibus from The Life of Pie. Welcome to episode 58. Um, it is part two of our snorkeling extravaganza of WA. And this episode we're going to cover off north of Perth. Um, so welcome back, Shavon. Thank you for joining us again. My pleasure. Uh, So I guess we'll do the reverse of what we did last podcast, and we'll start from Perth and head north. Um, So there's quite a few spots all along the coast um, that you can go to, but WA being quite large, they are spaced out a fair bit. Um, But the first one being Lanceland, which is a pretty good spot if you can pick it in the right conditions. Mm,
2: Yeah, so Lanceland is not a long drive, uh, not far from Perth. Um, You've got Lancelin Island. So you can kayak over to Lancelin Island. A lot of people, a lot of local people do this to get out of the wind. So you can be set up in the lee side of the island and enjoy a beach day on Lancelin Island. There's also a reef on the other side. In a similar fashion to Penguin Island, the the good snorkeling's on the the windward side of the island. So if you wanted to do that side, you'd have to pick your weather conditions. There are also some sea lions that... um, frequent the island as well so safety first with the sea lions obviously giving them all due care um it's a it's a it's a little known sort of little talked about spot Lancelin. It's a great great town love going there snorkeling or otherwise
1: because mm, it's a, a cray fishing um kind of mecca so it i'm is, imagining yeah. there is quite like limestone formations with lots of the cool little slots to Attract yeah. fish and whatnot.
2: Even the, the bay right out of the front, the sort of kite beach there, it's very shallow. So, um, you know it can be tricky to go in between the reef formations but so beautiful and just just having a good little shallow snorkel that's where you don't really want the really long fins you want the shorter fins so they get a little bit cumbersome but you will see the um see lots of interesting formations and swim throughs there and the lanceland dolphins will frequent the bay every day usually they'll come in and pop up at some points during the day and you know why drive all the way to monkey mire when you've got the lanceland dolphins just an hour and a half up the road um yeah lanceland's really popular with all all sorts of sports like you have four-wheel drivers and surfers and all types of people it's a good fun good fun place for everybody's activities mm. except hiking
1: <laughs> yeah there's a no oh, that's cervantes sorry <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of cervantes um durian bay um the closest bigger town um to cervantes and there's a, a few good snorkeling spots there um, along that jetty Area they have a, a snorkel trail, which I'm not sure it's in great condition. No, but it's I'm a not good sure you start. rated it, Don. <laughs> no, last time I was there, I sort of went in and had a look, and it was
0: just terrible. And the the local <laughs> tour, like the people who I think it was at the hotel, said, "Nah, don't go do it; <laughs> it's in <laughs> bad condition." Yeah. <laughs> we skipped um, it as well. We went out to the pontoons in <laughs> <and> the jetty. <gym. laughs> yeah. but um, you know, definitely worth doing in Durian Bay is the sea lion tours. You know, they're not very expensive, and I think that they are really worth doing. Um, you, you go out on a boat, and they take you to where the sea lions are, and you know they tell you what to do so it's safe, and you get in the water, and you basically just have to do flips and stuff in the water, and then they'll come to you and go, oh, I can do that too, and they do the flips. Oh, they're and... just
2: gorgeous, they're just yeah. gorgeous. The, I, from what I understand up at jury and, and higher is the mums and babies so seal lions apparently it's the dads who live in their bachelor pads at Carnac Rotnest um, Seal Island down in Rockingham and most of the year they're, they're, they're to themselves and then the mums are kind of up up Durian way and they'll they'll mate and then they'll go back to their own their own lives mums <laughs> will raise the babies until next mating season and then they'll get back together and do their thing and yeah so that's why they're so playful and so cute because it's the little baby faces yeah mm.
1: okay. it sounds horrifying and also quite enjoyable at the same time <laughs> as a male
2: <laughs> yeah and that's why they you can they, they can be a, the more aggressive sea lions so being careful around the perth sea lions is important because they're the males Mm. Apparently. Mm.
0: the other thing that we they did when we went out on the the tour there was they took us to a section of of reef as well that was out there so after we did you know swam with all the little puppy dogs we went out to another spot and they had bits of coral there it wasn't quite as good as rotnets, but it was cool to you know do something else and mm. see those and there was sort of like bommies out up to sea there yeah
1: so it was definitely worth doing So moving on further north, we have Dynamite Bay, which you didn't really rate that well, did you, Donovan?
0: Yeah, I had a look, and I think it was just a little bit, you know, the weather wasn't great. The area there looks kind of rotten-esque, like there's that limestone, but... It looked a bit murky, but there were, you know, people with like jet skis <laughs> out, so it wasn't the best time. I'm sure if you get the conditions right, it, it'll be worth yeah. doing, but wasn't when we went.
1: What do you call jet skis again? <laughs> the dirt bikes of the sea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and much further north is the Hootman Abrolhos Islands. A um, little bit offshore. Um, it requires a boat to get to, doesn't it? But or a plane Yeah yeah. But good snorkeling from what I've seen Yeah
2: amazing snorkeling So you can catch a day trip A day tripper um, flight from Geraldton will take you over to um, East Wallaby Island and land there They'll um, show you around some of the sites on East Wallaby And then uh, there's a snorkel trail right there and you'll be able to snorkel on that and then fly back again. That's a popular option. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you may have a friend who's in Geraldton or be able to private charter or go out on the Eco abrolus which is a, a liveaboard trip that will take you over. And it's just spectacular. So there's... Um, just a plate coral, just a spectacular plate coral. And to my mind, it's it's even better than Ningaloo. So because I suppose it's that little bit further offshore and that little bit less accessible, it's just teeming with life, teeming with life. And it's, of course, a very popular fishing spot. So you'll see when you're snorkeling, ball-chin-groper and all these large, um, large fish that are popular with the, the fishermen, as well as crayfish, so many crayfish. Um, yeah, so... It's just spectacular. It's, you know, we don't want to really talk about it too much. Otherwise, um, <laughs> too many people will end up going. They've actually made it, just made it a national park. So mm. that'll be interesting mm. for the future of the the tourism and the future of the sustainability of the islands and what's going to happen there. Um, but just a jewel of a place.
1: Mm. So you're allowed to stay on the island or do you have to stay on the... the yeah, you're
2: tours? not unless you're... Um, you have a friend who's got a who's a cray fisherman with a fishing license a uh, fisherman's license and a shack so you're actually not allowed to stay on the island if you have a friend with a boat and you're staying on their boat you're allowed to um yeah that's you know it's it's access is really really limited so that makes it a little bit unfair a little bit inaccessible. but mm. if you ever can have the opportunity i highly recommend it it's just stunning um you know you, uh, one of the things that i I would like to do um is you can the coordinates for the batavia are available oh, and awesome. you can on the right conditions snorkel that side. it's a little deep it's uh nine to ten meters or so i believe and um that's definitely on my bucket list to do is to snorkel the actual mm. wreck side of the batavia so every, most people would know this the story yeah. um significant wa history but really want to do that
0: and on the island, is there, do you get to see where they they hung the and <laughs> cut off the hands of the traders? <laughs>
2: um, I don't think that there's any evidence of that ar- archaeology remaining, but there is the um jail that um Weber Hayes actually housed Geonymous Cornelius in. I think that is officially the first building. Ever on Australian land or soil, it's credited as the very first building. Um, you can't see it from East Wallaby Island, though. You have to. I think it's. I don't know. Forget which island it's on, but um, it's still there, I believe. Mm. And of course, the wallabies are still there. They are. They're. You know, really integral in and in how the people survived. Mm-hmm. Wow! Yeah, it's a really fascinating place. Um,
1: so further north, we move from Geraldton area to Kalbarri and the Blue Holes. So this area is kind of more cliffy. Yeah, not not a great spot f- except for this
0: one area. Mm. Um, so it's the so unlike everywhere else where we've looked at it's which is mostly either granite or limestone. This is sandstone, and there's a little bit of sandstone reef at Blue Holes where you can snorkel in and it's not a big area but i found the fish really interesting there because you get a mix of the stuff that you could see on Rotness as well as some of the stuff that is more like you're more likely to see in like ningaloo so it was it was a cool sort of halfway point where i could see things i was like oh yeah i've seen these guys at Rotness. and then later i didn't realize because it wasn't till later that we went to ningaloo but i saw things at ningaloo there as well Mm. so interesting spot you know, I wouldn't head to Kalbarri just to snorkel, but if you're there, it's it's worth doing because it's something different. Because mm. I think once you've done all the hikes, there's, and you know, there's like the bird <laughs> museum or whatever, um, there's not a lot more to do. And this is a cool other thing to do.
1: I suppose it's a good mix of, normally we're snorkeling too because we can't hike. Whereas up in Kalbarri, you can hike and snorkel. So it's a good way to mix up the holiday. Yeah. yeah. Is that Quabba?
0: Yes, that's uh, so heading like Carnarvon way, north of Carnarvon.
1: Um, So moving a bit further north to the western part, you kind of got the bit that sticks out from WA, all those islands, and you've got Shark Bay and Dirk. Hartog Island um, it's not a lot of snorkeling but it's still pretty cool to explore
0: I, I think you know the name Shark Bay doesn't invite a lot of snorkeling <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I hear dark, uh, that um, Dirk Hartog Island is a very good spot yeah mm. um, but if it's it's quite expensive to get to and you have to have a four-wheel drive to get to Steep Point or there
1: mm. is there anything off Francois Peron? National Park? A lot of tiger sharks. (laughs)
2: sharks.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I had a look at the the waters and it didn't look inviting at all. And when you see all the dolphins with bite marks on them, that could be you.
2: (laughs) When you can literally see the tiger sharks swimming around from the lookouts, you think that could be you as well.
1: (laughs) Um, So only if (laughs) you really, really want to bite the dust, you go snorkeling up there. Um, moving on to like the Carnarvon area, uh, we've got Quabba and the Aquarium. Is this getting more towards Ningaloo-style reef?
0: Yeah, so the Aquarium is... That sort of area there is considered the southernmost point of the Ningaloo Reef. And the Aquarium is a spot that Alyssa and I nearly went to, but we didn't realise where it was. And also, when you're heading down to Quabba, the first thing you see is a sign that says King Waves Kill, and then you see these massive blowholes. And it's the most impressive blowholes I've ever seen anywhere. You know, They're just shooting up all this water. And you just go, hmm, maybe I don't want to snorkel here. <laughs> but apparently the aquarium is a sheltered area. I've seen videos online of a lot of fish, a lot of coral. So I think we are going to go check it out on the way up. Um, in We're heading there in April. And we'll, we'll check it out. Quabba recently. Got a bit of fame because Chris Hemsworth stayed there and had a wonderful mm. holiday.
2: And Matt Damon. Yeah, his yes. Borough
0: date. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, he said that was one of his favorite trips. So I haven't been, but apparently it's really good. And there is snorkeling in, in the Quabba, uh, um, the homestead area there as well.
1: Mm. And then we get on to the big ticket item, which is Ningaloo and yeah. Coral Bay. Um, so I'll let you guys wax lyrical over <laughs> all of this
0: so i guess coral bay is the first of the the two settlements that are the bases for the area for ningaloo and it really is so i i didn't do this one first i did xmouth first but it is really interesting to see like it literally is you know two meters out into the water and there's coral and a lot of coral it's not the most exciting looking coral it's very brown looking and it's not that it's dead that's just the color but there's just so much of it. Uh, and Bill's Bay is, is literally... You can step out of one of the resorts or caravan parks and you're there. South of there, there's also a place called Five Finger Reef. Uh, it needs to be accessed by four-wheel drive or a long walk. So we didn't go last time.
1: <laughs> only you have a website that uh, <laughs> champions there,
0: this long way. <laughs> there's, there's, well, it was more that we could walk there... Or we could go on a tour, which we did. So we we did a tour out into the bay area there to see the um, manta rays. And the tour took us out into areas there that would would not be accessible. And it was actually more interesting because you're heading out to the outer reef. So they took us out to an area called the maze, which is part of the kayak trail in Coral Bay. And the... Yeah, the sights out there were really amazing because the, the coral is more... What? Amazing Amazing? amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't noticed that. Um, yeah, it really is fantastic because there was just so, so much more life out there because I think there's less people. It's further away. It's you know, heading more towards the outer reef. And we saw sharks. We saw a lot of um, sea turtles saw manta rays so definitely worth doing so this we were there in october which is not the the right time to be there because it's not whale shark season but there's still a lot to see and a lot to do and um yeah definitely recommended it
2: mm. there's multiple seasons so up there in january it's turtle season i think it's um you know april to august is whale shark season and then you have manta ray season another time so you, you're really winning all year round at ningaloo
0: yeah, so they had they had um, the whale migration comes through in October, so that was something else that they've just started doing. Mm, yeah, so it's
2: a trial humpback swimming in the area. Mm. Yeah,
0: and I think that's been going well, so I think it probably will become a thing, and that probably extends the season for them, basically almost the whole year where there'll be something to do at any time that you're there.
1: Mm. I've heard this year the whale sharks are early, like. Now early yeah. in March, they've been spotted, so that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that makes me feel happy <laughs> about going because you know it, the the big worry is that you go and it's not going to be there. But if they've come early, then that's that's a good sign. Mm. But I guess moving north of there to Cape Cape Range, which is the part that's most accessible from the Exmouth area, and when was the last time that you went
2: up um, there? Um, January of two thousand and eighteen. Okay, yeah, a couple of years ago. Yeah.
0: Mm. And do you wanna tell us about you mentioned the oh, yeah. place at the Navy Pier? Oh yeah,
2: the Navy Pier is a really world famous it was it's is still or was in the top ten of the world's best dives, the Navy Pier. So it's not a snorkel. You can't just do it. You actually have to book with one of the only dive company that will do it. They rotate around who's allowed to take a charter to the Navy Pier because it is actually a legitimate Navy Pier. So there's a lot of security surrounding it. So when you book in and you go on the bus, you have to get off the bus. They check all your IDs. If you're written down in the wrong order, you've got to do it all again. They're very ex- they're very um, clear about this when you do the charter, not to muck around, not to make any jokes about anything, and off they do. They take you to the Navy but it's a yes yeah, so it's a scuba only but just incredible so huge big potato cod lots of white tip reef sharks all kinds of life huge coral it's fantastic stingrays just a forest of schooling fish it's stunning so if you if you have your dive ticket or if you're going traveling in the area it's a good thing to get the dive ticket just to do that dive
0: awesome and I guess for other people, you mentioned there's there's kayak trails as well in the area.
2: Oh yeah, so there there are a couple of kayak trails on the other side, the Cape Range side of um, the the peninsula. So at Tantarbido Boat Ramp, there's. Um, a kayak trail. You paddle out, I think it's it's only two or three kilometres, you go out there and there's moorings. You'll spot these particular coloured moorings where you can uh, kayak out to different points and then go back or you can tie up your kayak to one of the moorings, hop out and have a snorkel. So Tantabiti is kind of a circular reef and um, quite shallow in some areas depending on the tide but you can circle your way on the inside and circle your way on the outside and have a good look at Um, at the reef there. It's beautiful. So the visitors center is a really good spot to drop in and get the information about the the hot spots for snorkeling and the kayak trails. It's all in the publications. Really handy.
0: And I guess the big ticket place here is Turquoise Bay which makes a lot of you know like best beaches in Australia Um, and I think it's probably one of the easiest um, and accessible places for snorkeling in the area?
2: Mm, yeah, you've got two options at Turquoise Bay. You've got the drift snorkel and you've got just sort of snorkeling on in the bay side. So it's quite a strong current that goes through. So you would start at the south side of Turquoise Bay. You walk a little, little way. There's As you drive in, there's two options for your car park. There's the drift snorkel option and you've got the, the bay the bay option as well. So you park in the drift snorkel option and walk as far as you want to to the south, and walk out as far as you want to. And then, um, as you snorkel, you'll kind of get pulled along by the current, and you should not proceed further than the point. It'll sort of whip you out a little bit, and you'll be swimming against a current to get back into the bay. So keeping within your own limits. But turquoise bay. Beautiful snorkel, white tip reef sharks, and um, all kinds of turtles. You'll be, you know, it's just it's it speaks for itself. Everyone knows Turquoise Bay, really. Everyone who's been up there, or mm. you
0: know,
2: it's, we, the hot, it's the spot, the snorkel.
0: When we went there, we saw on the first day we did the bay side, and we saw the blue spotted rays, we mm. saw turtles, a lot of fish. The other side, what, the, you know, the amount of coral is ridiculous, and just it was really interesting throughout that whole area uh, we saw some of Nemo's cousins mm. Saw yeah a lot of a lot of interesting things and the visibilities was good when we went the I think the fact that you can just kind of drift and yeah. take it easy as long as you get out before the sandbar yeah you're good um, and it's something that you know we certainly had on our bucket list of going back to, to do and we even though it's inconvenient to drive to from Exmouth, we went almost every day.
2: <laughs> yeah. It's well worth it. Because yeah. with snorkeling, you're always going to see something different every day. Yeah. Every, every snorkel is going to be different. It's always worth doing. You always get out going, Ah, oh, well, that was worth doing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, and the other... I guess famous place there is Oyster stacks which we didn't get to because we just kept going back but you've been to Oyster stacks? Oh
2: it's it's family friendly Oyster stacks but you do have to be aware of the tide. So um the visitor center has has the tide charts and makes a clear indication of when it's going to be good for Oyster stacks because otherwise it's too shallow for you there and you're not going to see anything. So you can't go in on a low tide. You have to really watch out for that one. Right. Mm.
0: Uh, and blue holes was the other yeah. site
2: um near uh, out from south salas the the glamping area uh, there is uh, you can kayak out towards the the main reef and there's beautiful it's uh, la- large bommies and at kind of a maybe a 10 meter sort of depth. So most of the offshore snorkeling at Ningaloo is quite shallow. Whereas this is a bit of a deeper spot and you get these large bommies, large coral formations and bigger fish as well to see. Mm. Um, You can, we did sneak our kayaks through the break in the reef, which is a little bit, was a little bit nerve wracking to do because you don't want your kayak to be swamped by waves and things. We did have a look on the outer side of the reef as well, but at that time there wasn't much to see. So inside the reef was the way to go at that spot.
0: Um, and of course, the, uh, the big, big ticket item is the whale sharks. And have you done the whale I haven't sharks?
2: yet, but definitely on the bucket list.
0: Yeah. So that's that, you know, so I've heard people have the misconception that you, you know, because with Ningaloo, the, the big attraction is you can just walk off into the beach into the coral. But to go and see the whale sharks, you're going to the outer reef, and you mm, generally do yeah. have, have to It's way in the too
2: shallow for a whale shark in the yeah. inner reef.
0: Because I, I have heard people say that, you know, say, oh, I really want to go to Ningaloo. I hear, you know, you can just get in the water and you can see whale sharks. I said, it's not technically correct. No. <laughs> <You know? laughs> if you take a picture <laughs> of a whale shark. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, yeah, well, Alyssa and I have that booked in April, so hopefully we'll... We'll see some whale sharks
1: it's an interesting way they do it though it's not just like you're on a boat and they find a whale shark and then put you in the water they literally drop you in the water drive off and then <laughs> hope that the whale shark or well, they know where the whale shark's gonna go roughly and right. it just cruises on by <laughs> so if you're afraid of the open water it's um a little bit nerve-wracking I've of- have heard. Right,
0: I did not know that. <laughs> we'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I
2: think they, they use the spotter planes and they've got it down to a really fine art mm. so they've been doing it for a long, long time and their tour tour, tour carter, charter companies really work quite harmoniously together to give everyone a really good experience is what I've heard.
0: Yeah. Mm. You know, I guess it it may be a bit daunting but if you want to take something off the bucket list, sometimes you have to take the challenge and it is what it is so yeah look forward to it Mm Um, And also, if you do want to go to other areas, there's Murian Islands.
2: Mm, Yeah, the Murian Islands are to the northeast of the peninsula, and the dive charters will get you there. You can either scuba or you can um, opt to be a snorkeler for the day. Really, really beautiful. So I was there in, um, in January again. This was turtle season. So those islands are really shallow, sandy caves, and you could just see track, 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 track along these islands where the turtles have crawled up, laid their eggs and crawled out again, and then as we were boating towards the shallows to do our trip to do our snorkel um you could just see circle 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 throughout the water and there are all turtles dot 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 all in the shallows and then of course during the snorkel you're coming across all these beautiful cruisy little turtles throughout so really beautiful so it's about maybe for your diving it's maybe 11 12 meters so not a super deep dive but it's um great for snorkeling um and diving, obviously, it's you, 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 shallow means you can be down for longer. So it's just a winner. It's beautiful. So a little bit less accessible. So a little bit more life, I think. Mm.
1: And you said the the turtles lay the eggs in the shallows, so they're not the ones oh, that.
2: No, no, in the sand. So oh, the the, the t- they lay laying their eggs and then they scoot back out into the shallows. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Cool. So yeah, they definitely lay in the sand. Yeah, turtle turtle hatching season. So, yeah.
1: So further north, obviously, there's a lot more to explore in WA. Um, Roly shawls is one that you guys have got on your bucket list. Yeah, it
0: looks awesome. There's all these sort of, you know, coral islands off the coast and it's a protected marine park. I think the coral there, because of the extreme tidal conditions, they've said like some of those corals are really resilient to climate change because Mm -hmm. they're so used to extreme conditions. Um, although I think they did have some bleaching recently, but there's, uh, you can, I think the season is only in September, October, and you can go out on, on boats and the, they're sort of liverboards and they take you every day to different places in the area. Bit expensive, but certainly a bucket list item thing that I'd love to do one day.
2: Mm. Yeah. And mine's the Montebello islands. I really like to go up there. There's just all these islands. Um, dotted off the coast, just so much, so much to explore, and also because I'm a keen kite surfer, it looks just like excellent, um, really off-piste kiting conditions.
1: And an island that's technically part of WA, um, but more looks like a Pacific um, tropical <laughs> island, as yeah. is the Cocos is killing. Um, do you guys know what the the Snorkeling and the diving around there is like,
2: mm, yeah. I've, I've been to the Cocos Keeling Island, so you fly up through Christmas Island and then across to Cocos. Um, they've got a couple of great snorkeling, snorkeling opportunities there. One famous one's the Rip on Direction Island, it's a little bit like the Drift Snorkel at uh, Turquoise Bay and Exmouth. So uh, you'll go over either on a charter or on the ferry over to Direction Island, spend the day there, and you it the, the rip is so fast you have to. Um, you have to do this drift snorkel a few times because the, there's just so much to see. And you're like, oh, there it goes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at that. Oh, like, <laughs> It's a really strong rip. So, um, you know, you have to be a bit prepared to kind of do a, cut a few laps on that one. Um, and just in general. So I went out with a few locals and they were um, spearfishing and all these little sharks come along and have a good look at you, but they're very shy. So as soon as you look their way, they turn around. Oh, I wasn't looking (laughs) at you. (laughs) Yeah, they're, they're, they call them, um, grey reef sharks and they're quite a bit bigger and much more intimidating than any of your other reef sharks. They look like a significant shark, but they're very, very shy. So as soon as you make eye contact, they're off. They don't want to know you, but <laughs> really, really outstanding snorkeling at the Cocos Keeling Islands. If you ever manage to get yourself there, if you're, um, uh, find yourself traveling <laughs> closer to Indonesia than W.A.,
1: Mm. The other guy I used to play cricket with, who was stationed there for work, and he just loved it. Like he came back brown and just relaxed, and yeah, he loved it there. Um, so I guess we'll finish with maybe a discussion about Ningaloo compared to maybe the Great Barrier Reef, and maybe why it's a little bit underrated as a destination.
2: Well, just in my personal opinion, my experience of the Great Barrier Reef tourism was that it's really en masse tourism. So you go there and you the Great Barrier Reef is not as close to the shore at all as Ningaloo is. So you have to get on a, a large charter boat. You know, they, their capacity is 200 people, 300 people. And it's, to my mind, a little bit more of that um, sort of... Cattle kind of ex- experience. It's not very individualised. You feel like you're one of many, not getting a really unique experience. So they'll go out to the reef on these large ferries. You're in a roped off area. Um, the reef is, you know, not as populated, not as not as not as great for fish fish viewing. And it's to, to, it, it's just my personal opinion that Ningaloo is really an individual and personal experience. You can, um, you can just literally turn up put your snorkel on walk into the into the shore and you're going to see things you're going to see coral gardens you're going to see reef reef sharks and things like that so to my mind it's just that little bit more rugged that little mm. bit more um niche market that's just that's mm. just how i'm feeling about it mm. i've
0: i've heard it referred to as being the more egalitarian and democratic um reef area because <laughs> You know, you could be someone from a you know a fairly poor working family, and you could stay in a tent, and afford to go and not have to pay to go on tours every day. You know, if you stay in Coral Bay, there's all those um, you know like uh, caravan parks and things like that, and you can just walk into the water. Whereas if you were to do the same thing on Great Barrier, it would cost a lot more to do that. And yes, you know there is the sort of question of the cost of coming to Western Australia. Um, but the government are offering subsidised flights at the moment, so you can get, you know, cheaper fares if you book. I think with Qantas, forty-five days in advance, they're they're quite reasonable, and I think that it stacks up when you look at the fact that you don't have to book a tour every time you want to go for a snorkel.
2: Mm. Yeah, and just these these um, pontoons that they that you go out and it's this large pontoon that's permanently situated at, at the reef I, I would tend I wouldn't like to see that happening over here in WA it just it's really setting up for that really en masse tourism and if we're talking about Omeo is getting a little bit um a little bit flogged in the summer mm. you know imagine how that sort of scale would impact upon such delicate ecosystems mm. yeah I wouldn't like to see that sort of tourism implemented here and indeed Look at the reporting on the Great Barrier Reef and how it's suffering at the moment with mm. bleaching and you know deterioration and possible loss of its world heritage listing. Mm. So we wouldn't like the same thing to happen over here.
0: No, mm. definitely not. Mm. No.
1: And on that point, I guess this applies to everywhere, but as a snorkeler, there are certain things you can do to protect the reef. So if you are going out, um, look for sunscreens that don't have zinc in them because they are reef killers. And if there's a lot of people using sunscreen, it does build up. Um, So try and find brands that don't have the zincs in them. I know it's really hard these days, but it's probably the least you could do if you really care about the reef. Mm. Mm. It's,
0: it's like what you said in the previous episode we always wear long sleeve in the water and we always look and you know, everyone's all looking trendy in their board shorts or bikinis and we always look a bit like nerdy with our long sleeve but it's just because we don't want to get burnt you know and it's 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 worth it's worth it i think if you're going to be out for a long period of time and especially if as as we all are as outdoor people that we're at higher risk because we're always out, outdoors. Mm,
2: that's right, yeah, it mm. just makes sense. I think it's just us, our age, we're just sensible now. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it, in addition to those sort of tips about the sunscreen, t- not, touching, um, not touching the reef, not standing on the reef mm. would also be things you wouldn't want to do. And um, sometimes you do need to grip on to stop yourself floating away, gently do that, and wear gloves to avoid stings.
1: Um, you talked a fair amount about sharks and how shy they are, but it is a common topic around snorkeling is what about sharks? And I guess people are referring to great whites here. Or in tiger your, sharks. Or tiger sharks. <laughs> in your experience, like, is it that much of a worry?
2: Well, I mean, I'm only speaking from one person's experience, but to my, in my opinion, it would really affect my life if I stopped doing these activities that I enjoy because of a fear uh, that fear, and I just think that the risk and the risk does not outweigh the reward. So, mm. you know, everybody's different and everybody has a different experience. But I feel that the more I used to be a little bit afraid when I was starting snorkeling and I was younger, um, but I feel like the more snorkeling you do and the more looking in the ocean that you do, you actually you see, well, there are interesting things down here but there's not that many scary things in fact it's quite a delight to see something like a large stingray or a reef shark it's you know a, a giant a big creature is cool to come across and you sort of get this understanding that when you put your head under the water it's not like you're going to swim right into a big herd of great white, white sharks it's just this is just not it's just not that way you know i think people People should not limit themselves to, you know, not stepping in the ocean, I think. But, you know, I don't know how to, how to, how to resolve that for people. It's up to themselves. Hmm.
0: I think it's something that you, I know I felt a lot of trepidation. Like I, I actually, when I was in high school, used to get out of doing um, like biathlons where there was swimming because I didn't want to get eaten by sharks. Yep. Um, it was during a time when codislaw was constantly getting people eaten. So, <laughs> um, but it's something that, as as I've embraced snorkeling, I've had to get over. And you know, probably if you said to me five years ago that a stingray is going to swim past you, maybe only two meters from you, I would have been horrified by that when it happened, it was just like, as long as I wasn't out of its way and didn't, you know, didn't hurt it, and it didn't whack me with a, a barb, I was fine. And I think that that's something that you, the more you go out, you risk realize that it, it is probably mostly not dangerous.
2: Yeah. I think the scarier one to worry about is the blue rings. So mm. my dad over the summer he pulls his cray pots, and you know three or four were falling out of the cray pots every time. They're much more out there than the mm. great whites, so everybody watch out for those.
1: Because mm. you hear the horror stories of like going out swimming and like the kid will reach into his pocket or something of his bodies or like dad will reach in and just like pull out a blue ring and you occasionally get like the idiot tourists that think that they're not dangerous (laughs) and hold them, you're like, what are you doing?
2: Or just beach combing. sometimes a blue ring has made a shell, a pretty shell at home and they'll crawl out after you've heard stories of people cleaning the shelves at home and then, oh, look at this, Mm. look good thing we didn't have that in our pocket Mm. yeah I yeah, guess so,
1: it's just uh, yeah, being safe in the water and being aware as well of what's around you. Mm-hmm.
2: I think the more time you spend in the water, the just the more confidence you be, the more confident you become, and that's both for for any danger you feel like, whether it's swimming through, you start small, or whether it's you know approaching your fear of sharks, you start gently, and you know you learn, you grow, you move forward, and then you become really keen enthusiasts like us. Mm-hmm.
1: Or you uh, do the hiker thing. If you're afraid of bears, you just hike with a slower person <laughs> that you can outrun. I guess snorkeling-wise, you just uh, swim with a, 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 you know, a not-very-good swimmer. Yep. <laughs> and as I've
0: said before with hiking, I said to die um, through misadventure is not a bad way to go.
2: Yeah, I always tell people, look, I've had a happy life.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yep. Um, you can be wary of conditions, though, as well. There's better conditions to go out in than not. So dawn and dusk are not ideal times for snorkeling anyway, for visibility, but supposedly not the safest times in terms of being wary of sharks. Mm. So just taking due care. Maybe um, being careful of salmon season down in Margaret River and when the salmon runs on, same mm. sort of thing, just being aware of what's happening in cycles of nature.
1: Mm. Or of a whale Oh well, yes. well, well carcass. Yeah. yeah yep. on a beach. At, least, at least you know they're well fed then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I guess that is the end of the episode. Thank you very much, Shavon, for coming in. It's that been great. Great to have you on and get all your knowledge about the great spots we have in WA. Yeah, thanks for coming in. Thank you,
0: everyone, for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode or any other episode of Real Trail Talk, then please rate us on whatever platform you're currently listening to us on. Ratings really help for us to reach an audience and for people who maybe are looking to learn about the outdoors in Western Australia and Australia in general. If you had any questions or any suggestions for future episodes, you can email us at realtrailtalk gmail.com or you can contact us through our social media channels. Thank you for listening and we'll be back in two weeks.